One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. G'day folks and welcome to Australian UFO Sightings official podcast. I'm your host Anthony Goodall and you're listening to Encounters Down Under. Here we invite guests on the show to tell us about their encounters with aliens and UFOs, where most of our episodes were streamed live from our Facebook page, which gave listeners the opportunity to ask questions to our guests regarding their encounter. If you have had an encounter and would like to be a guest on the show, please get in touch with us. You can send us a message through our Facebook page, Encounters Down Under, or send us an email at AustralianUFOSightings at Outlook.com.au. Be sure to join us on Facebook and share with your friends and family to help us grow, and hopefully encourage others to come forward with their encounter. If you're an iTunes listener and a fan of the show, why not give us that five-star rating and review, and you could have your review featured on the podcast. But enough of that, let's get into what you've been waiting for. So kick back, relax with your favourite beverage, and enjoy the show. G'day folks and welcome to another episode of Encounters Down Under. Paul and Cyan from the Zeta Connection joined the show to give us an insight into their connection with the Graylian race to who they refer to as the Zetas. They talk about their personal experiences and how they formed a community to help others gain a better understanding on their encounters. So please welcome to the show, Paul and Cyan. Be sure to check out the video on our YouTube channel and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. So look, um, basically you've got a bit of a, a small little community, well, it could be a large community, I'm not really 100% sure, but you know, you're talking to people worldwide in regards to their experiences there and you know, it, it's quite a, an amazing thing that you're doing here, like, you know, because people are sort of, you know, don't know how to sort of uh, approach this whole situation. So look, I'm going to let you guys go and sort of give a bit of a rundown of what you're, what you actually do, if you don't mind. Yeah. Okay, well, you know, it's probably the smallest community on the planet. It's usually two people plus anybody that who needs, wants to who needs <laughs> some help. That's about it. But it's like everything. You know, when you first start off and um, something strange is going on around you and you don't know who, you don't have anyone to talk to about it. Well, years ago when um, all this was happening to me, and I'll get into that later, but uh, you couldn't even talk about it anyway. You know, you there was no one to talk to. There was no... There was no internet. There was no uh, anyone. You would never hear of any of these sorts of things. So, you know, when Cyan uh, and I, when we, um, you know, we were across Reddit and a few other places, uh, Discord, 
and uh, we get a lot of people contacting us that are trying to work out what's going on because this is actually not a simple thing to work out. Um, it, it goes all the way through from, uh, you know, astral contact uh, through to um, the phenomenon, which uh, is associated with many extraterrestrials. There's also spirit people. Uh, so we're uh, fully trained mediums as well. We work doing mediumship. Uh, plus, you get a lot of people that are astraling into your space as well. And so when we start to look at the, uh, you know, all of the different things, all the different parts to somebody's experience, it may not just be extraterrestrials. It can be a lot of other things that are taking place. Mm -hmm. So we spend a lot of time uh, with people uh, helping them sort through that stuff. But for me, it started when I was uh, basically a child in a crib. Uh, I would have these um, beings walking around. I mean, I didn't know they were beings. I had no idea what they were, you know. I don't think I even cared. Um, but then when I, you know, I was about five, um, I realised that I could astral travel and just roll out of my body, walk around. Uh, I was taken on craft as well, and I thought that it was normal that people would go on craft. That because it was happening all the time, um, you know, remember, because there was no internet, I, I don't know where I got the words from, but I was talking to my mother about these beings, these aliens, these this, these that. And um, she had no idea what I was talking about. And all I knew was is that I'd wake up uh, outside of my house at night in, in the front yard. Um, I, I'm probably just been dropped off from a craft or something. So, you know, like a lot of other people, it was all pretty strange when I was young, uh, you know, scoop marks, um, those sorts of things. And then um, <clears throat> for a while, it went really quiet, probably for about 15, 20 years. Um, but then what took place was one day I was standing in um, a kitchen in Melbourne with a friend of mine, and we were up on the third uh, floor of the set of units. We were looking out the window and uh, a craft came, it was a tic-tac, and it just sat there and um, the sides went the clear, the front of the craft went clear, and there were two uh, Zeta Greys standing in there, they were about 10, 10 metres away. Uh, so I said to my mate, hey, can you see that? Because you know, you don't know. And he goes, yeah, I can see that. And we, we could see past it and there was a main road in Melbourne and there was cars going up and down and we saw this vehicle coming up really fast, sort of swerving. And they came into where we were. They were our friends. And they came up and were pounding on the door. Um, they came in and they go, there's a craft or something outside. And I said, well, here, look at it from here. And they went up to the window. And they could see the beings in the craft as well. So now there's four of us um, watching this craft. Broad daylight. Um, I'm sure that a lot of other people probably saw it as well, uh, but nobody would have see nobody would ever report that back then. You know, who would you ring? There's nobody that you would ring because it wasn't common knowledge. It wasn't a discussion. There was no social media, no one to talk to those things. Uh, then um, sort of it all went a bit quiet for about ten years, and then one morning I woke up. Uh, I must have been uh, going onto craft, but I didn't realise I was back then. But um, I walked out into the kitchen. It was dark. I was on my way to work. I used to uh, shovel concrete um, and uh, it was pretty hard yakka. 
and uh, walked out and went to turn the light switch on and I heard this uh, shuffling noise and I looked and this little, I thought it was a demon, but it was a little grey extraterrestrial, jumped up on my left arm. Uh, I'm trying to get it off. I think I'm being attacked by a possum or something, you know. And uh, next thing I look over and I hear this other noise and one comes at me from my right-hand side. So now I've got them on my arm, so I'm, I'm fighting them off. I'm going pretty well, uh, but they're strong. And then um, just when I thought I had them, the third one jumped on me uh, straight at me and I went down, the three of us all, well, the four of us went down like a ton of bricks and um, I blacked out. And I woke up, I was back in bed and I thought, shit, what sort of a dream was that? That was crazy. And uh, I got up and turned the light on and I was dressed and my shirt was on backwards. So I realised that um, I'd got up and that uh, I'd had contact. And, you know, for a lot of people, that's probably where, uh, you know, their contact probably begins and ends. They have those sorts of experiences and it never goes much further than that. And for me, that's, I sort of didn't want it to go any further. It was all too terrifying. Uh, then um, I started seeing these spirits walking around, you know, people that had passed over and I realised that, you know, there was this, this wasn't right. So I've had all those little, you know, beings running around at some point. Now I've got these people that are dead walking around the house and um, I sort of didn't want to talk to anybody about it. And uh, I found out, though, these days it's a pretty common phenomenon when you've got extraterrestrial contact that uh, the phenomenon allows the spirit people to come as well. Um, and so when I was about 40, I decided to, um, I was going to look into this. So I was really going to commit myself to looking into it. And um, I started to sit and meditate and do uh, what's mental mediumship. And uh, the beings started to come through. Now, where I'm sitting now was a place that I held a, a circle for mediums and uh for the first nine months that we sat nothing happened and then uh one one day i sat you know sat sitting means to go into trance states and i uh, had everybody sort of sitting in the room and next thing they said that they were seeing an extraterrestrial sitting in the chair over the top you know like a transfiguration process um which isn't uncommon uh, these days for mediums at all and so they started uh, talking through me and I thought, well, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, that, that doesn't make any sense that they're doing that. And so I thought, well, I'll call these, these beings out. And um, if, they're, if, it, if they're all just full of crap, then, uh, you know, it's just me making it up. That's what I thought. So we got, I said to uh, one of the people, when they come through, here's a list of questions. And so the person asked him some questions and said, listen, can you bring a craft? They said, yeah, okay, we will. And uh, we, we uh, thought, oh, okay, this will be interesting. Uh, when, when the person said, when would you like to bring the craft? They said, well, we'll bring it in two weeks' time. And so I organised the landing spot and the craft, I had 20 people there waiting and the craft landed and uh, the, the greys came out and they walked around everybody and that was when I realized that I had something else was going on. You know, I know people might go, it's a bit strange to think you've got something else going on, but you know, when you, when you've got those beings talking through you and then they come in a craft, you've got to ask yourself, well, what's really going on here? So I then started, you know, 
looking into this a lot further. Uh, and then I said to him, well, if you, you know, if you're going to annoy me, if you're going to be around me, then what is it that you can actually do? And they said, well, we'd like to try and heal some uh, people. And so I started um, asking people if, if anyone wanted to be healed. And um, this, we've got a lot of testimonial evidence on our website, thezetaconnection.com. And uh, the Zeta started giving people healings. Mm. And um, sort of for us, it was more about, you know, everyone's always talking about alien invasion and all these sorts of things. And we were just sitting in the background working quietly with the Zetas and they were sort of uh, healing people and doing lots of other stuff for people. And in the end, you know, like I, I, there's a million times that they've come, you know, uh, and I, sometimes we've got an audio recording of the craft coming down to the house mm. and anybody could have heard that craft uh, when the craft came down. Uh, it was making a, uh, not a lot of noise, but it was using some sort of a sonar noise to, to navigate down to the roof of the house. Mm. Um, and we were told before the craft was coming that they were coming and they told us to actually turn the recorder on, the audio recorder, and we did. Some people go, why didn't you run outside with a camera? Because every time we try and film film them, everything breaks. Yeah, and it's very difficult to even function properly when you've got yeah when they're that low. You, you I mean, I was fully conscious, but I, I was struggling not to black out. Yeah, you know, like. this is what people don't realise <laughs> is that yeah. when they're around, uh, you, you're in an altered state. You, it's an altered reality, mm. and you know the last thing that you'll be thinking about is uh, grabbing your iPhone and turning it on. It's different if the craft's a long way away and, you know, you've got your phone on, you're going to take some pictures of this little light orb. But when the craft comes down, I don't know if you know, but Gary Nolan, he's been doing some research with the military and uh, anyone, that, any of the pilots that have gone close to craft, mm. once they've done an MRI scan of the, of the uh, pilots, a lot of them have this uh, physical changes mm. to their structure of their brains. And uh, we know ourselves from our own contact that you can get burnt when you go near these near these craft. You can, and when they come into the house, you can also get burnt as well. So, mm. look, you know, obviously, there's there's a lot more to the story. Um, I had a scientist contact me, William Trinit, and he uh, was a retired government scientist in communication. He wanted to uh, ask some questions, so he flew across from Canada and sat and spoke to the Zeta through me, and he wrote a, a book called A Primer of the Zeta Race. And we give that book away for free. And then um, a lot of the transcripts that of the Zeta speaking through me mm. was then condensed into a book of about six, 700 pages. And that's called the Zeta Interviews. And so we've got about eight to 10 books out at the moment. Some deal with extraterrestrial technology. Uh, at least four of them are free. So we like to give a lot of stuff away to people. Uh, we, we try and teach people as much as we can. Uh, because there is so much free information out there, uh, you know, thousands of pages, uh, people can, t you know, learn about contact themselves so that they can somehow try and work through some of the stuff they do. But Cyan and I spend a lot of time working with people individually as well. Um, we listen to their stories and um, sort of always come to some sort of resolution in regards to... Yeah. Uh, what's gone on because yeah. we've had so much contact ourselves uh, we ended up working out what all the different types of screen memories that the different extraterrestrial races use we've also uh, because we've got some evidence that uh, race the Zetas 
we're able to then um, meet some other races as well. So mm. it's worked out quite well, I think. Thanks. And what about you? <laughs> what about me? What about you? Eh? <laughs> um, yeah, I guess my my experiences have been um, different in many ways to yours, but we've ended up at the same place. So I I didn't have the um, overt contact that you had. I had a, a watered down version in the sense that they were um, obfuscating their real appearance from me every time. Mm. And so um, they, they do, they use many different types of screen memories when they come, especially to, with children, because they, they don't want to scare them. They, they, they really don't. And so I would see, I mean, it sounds really silly. I'd see seven foot tall Easter bunnies when I was three years old in my house, at, you know, That's in the middle of the night when my parents were asleep. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the common ones are owls. You hear a lot of people saying they see owls. Um, in, in America, they see a lot of people report seeing Bigfoot or yeah. Yeti Sasquatch. You know, it, it depends where you are. When I look back on why they chose the imagery that they did, um, you know, it all makes sense. And, you know, that that's a, another, a story in itself. But I, you know, so I have, I've had a lot of covert <laughs> uh, memories, but, you know, which as a child, you don't really think anything about at all. But then as an adult, you look back and you go, yeah, it really wasn't normal to, to be up at, you know, middle of the night when you're that young with your lounge room for all intents and purposes, full of um, six, seven foot rabbits, you yeah. know, but, <laughs> you know, yeah. that's really not normal. <laughs> but as a child, you you know, that, of course, you're in a slightly altered state. You're, it's not a scary thing for you. And, and of course, it's imagery that you'll accept. And the Zetas very much will try to use imagery from a person's mind that they'll accept. Um, yeah. I've had multiple conscious craft um, experiences where they've been carrying out procedures where as, as an adult, they haven't um, uh, hidden the way that they really appear, mm. um, you know, and so I, 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 I much prefer that. <laughs> so yeah. at least I know who I'm with. <laughs> but, yeah. um, but, you know, the, some of the experiences have, have, have been, you know, um, beyond terrifying when you're when you don't understand what's going on. And, and this is where a lot of people are that we, we speak with. They, they really does feel like alien abduction in the yeah. truest sense of the word. They're not realizing what's actually going on there. And um, it's, you know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm not as old as you, but it's still taken, it's still taken me, you know, my 45 years to, to come to terms with it, to fully understand it work through it and now you know when when they're around that that fear is is no longer present yeah. um it's been you know it's a tough journey it's Always, a tough journey absolutely. it would be because like, yeah like you said like you know people uh, uh don't understand what's happening around them the whole experience is it's very terrifying um yeah but like, but like how would you how do you sort of like go on the the, the fact here like um a lot of the abductions they're random um you have no idea when or where this thing's going to happen. Um, like, how does that sort of come across with the approach of the Zetas and this sort of aspect of things? Like, I don't know if it's like uh, that the Zetas that are doing that, or if it's, it might be a different race that sort of so, has that sort of. Yeah. So, so basically, there's a structure to races, and if you understand what some of the structures of the races are, then you can understand what's going on, and why it's going on. So, firstly, 
um, there's the Greys, there's 63 races, and uh, 62 of those races are in service to others. <clears throat> the uh, ones that abduct people, and we'll get into abduction in a minute, but the ones that abduct people, uh, they do so uh, against people's free will, and they're not part of the um, what's called the collective consciousness of the Zeta race. And so we've actually, I've had encounters with the, with the abductor Grays. Uh, it was very unpleasant, but that's fine. It's a good experience. The Zetas have told us that um, a lot of the people that are contacted uh, or abducted, they think it's abduction, but it actually works out to be contact. They are part of different races. And we have to understand something. We all came from somewhere. You don't just turn up here on planet and then that's it. It's all over. So you, you were somewhere before you were born, you came in here and became a human. <clears throat> and then of course, after you finished your human journey, you uh, transitioned back to your point of origin. And so when we understand that everybody has a point of origin and it can be based around extraterrestrial nature, then we're looking at a, a planet full of hybrids. There's no um, shock here that people are actually contacted by their own races. But the difference is, is that when they're um, contacted by the races, because they no longer remember the narrative about who they are and what they are outside of the physical form, they then are terif terrified because all they can see is these uh, big-headed, black-eyed uh, entities coming into their house um, mm -hmm. and not sort of realising that they could actually be part of that race. Mm -hmm. and, and when we look at it, a lot of people um, that are being abducted, when we talk to them and say to them, well, would you like it to stop? They actually say no. Yeah. Were you actually harmed? Were no. You, yeah. And Were quite often we find out that they seem to have been miraculously healed, healed of, of yeah. an ongoing condition that doctors yeah. couldn't sort out for them. And that's interesting because mm. um, we were contacted by the uh, international director of MUFON many years ago, Kathleen Martin. I'm not sure if you've heard of her and she wanted healing and so i went into and spoke to the zetas and they said that they would heal her and they did and she was healed within three days on craft um of a a, a physical illness Life that she couldn't be healed of she's actually given video testimony on our youtube channel the zeta connection uh talking about her healing by the zetas all those years ago and the differences with their healings uh, when they choose to do them, is that the healing sticks. It's not something that happens and then fades away. So we've noticed that for the people that have been healed by the Zetas, they're quite happy to give um, mm. testimonies that they've been healed as well. That's amazing. That's incredible. Like, um, who would have thought, like, you know, people living their lives there have the opportunity that, well, given the, they're the right person, I suppose, in that regard, like to go and be able to offer, be offered healing. Um, you know, that's yeah. quite incredible. It's like, so why wouldn't they um, sort of help the rest of the the world in that sense, like with the, regards to healing? It's, look, that's a really good mm -hmm. question. And the thing is, uh, they basically only want to help their own. So if let's say that 100% um, of the people on planet are extraterrestrial, you're an extraterrestrial, all your listeners are extraterrestrial, it could actually be that everybody's being visited, but because the screen memory technology is so good, just about nobody remembers that they're actually being contacted. It's just there's a 30% of the population or less 
that have the ability to remember that they're being contacted. The other 70% don't know. And so when people go, well, why do the Zetas heal the, you know, those people? It's because generally that they only heal their own hybrids. We've, we've got other races that we know of, you know, Sirius A, Arcturian, mm. the Anunnaki. Uh, these beat races have evidenced themselves in various ways, a little bit difficult with the interventional races, but um, that they heal their own as well. Mm. And we know people that are of those races uh, that get healed. And I know that a lot of people, you know, sort of look at some of these people on social media and some of the stuff coming out of their mouth sounds really strange and all the rest of it. I mean, that's their story. I, I can't disagree with it. But um, it's more about, well, what evidence does the person have? And Cyan mm. and I spend a lot of time with people saying, look, as, as crazy as the whole thing sounds that's happening to you, you need to start to develop um, some level of evidence. You need to journal what's going on with you. You need to, if you got, if you believe you got taken and, or you have marks on you or whatever, you need to document that mm. and you need to evidence that. And what happens is you start to build up a pattern of contact because the problem with contact is it isn't just so clear that you can just say, yes, a person's being contacted. Um, unless, of course, they're pushed out of a craft or something <laughs> yeah. and land on the front wall. But you know what I'm saying? Like, So a lot of people, I say to them, you've got an inkling that something's going on. You need to start documenting it, journaling it, uh, taking pictures if you've got bruises. Mm. And that way... Over the years, and so I had to do this for myself. I had no one to talk to. I had to develop a level of, uh, uh, of a database that I could look back on and go, okay, look, there's something going on here. Why, why am I feeling this way? Why is my immune system uh, playing up? What, you know, what's happened last night? I went to bed feeling great, but I woke up this morning and now I'm unwell. Something's gone on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as we've uh, got to understand how they work a lot better, we don't get the screen memories anymore. Um, there's all different levels of screen memories. We've worked out so far. There's about, I think, five or six that we know about. That we know about. I'm sure there's plenty. And more. once you start to understand how all the screen memories interact with each other, you can start to look look underneath them and see what's going on. So, yeah, fair enough. So I just want to go back to um, your experiences there, Paul. I've got a few questions here from a few people here. So Caleb's asking like, when they first sort of come to you, like. Um, or just in general, I think. Uh, do you think there is a presence? Oh, sorry. Do you think it's their presence or a technology used by them that causes that feeling? Uh, I think there must have been. I'm not sure exactly what I was referring to at the time, but obviously there's something that's occurring there. If it's, um, I'm not really sure. But hopefully he's still listening there. Is he? Is he talking about the feeling of fear? I'm not sure. Because um, I sort of missed it while we're in the moment there when we we're talking, so I couldn't really refer to what he was asking to. Uh, but I'll jump over to another one. Uh, hopefully he's listening there. He can sort of um, give us a bit more in-depth question there. Yeah, um, so now um, Em's asking there, like, uh, when you had the people um, hearing the sound of the ship there, like, what was the sound like? None. That was the thing. So when all the people were there, I, I'll, I'll sort of give this more information about that. So I uh, picked a rural property that was 25 acres in New South Wales. Um, I asked about 15 or 20 people to turn up. I told them what was going to happen and we all sat around a campfire or just around a big fire. So it was a pretty big circle of people. No alcohol, no drugs, no smoking, no this, no that, nothing, right? And uh, everyone was just pretty chilled. Uh, I knew most people anyway, everything was good. All of a sudden, 
because you know we're out in a rural area all of the animals all the dogs all start to howl across all of the properties lots of howling and uh I thought, oh, here we go. Something's about to go down. Dogs always. And I looked to the right, and I saw this, um, like a, a cloud rolling in. And as it rolled in, it rolled in about a meter over our heads. And then, it once it had got past all of us, it, it descended down to the ground. And um, I'd said to a lot of people, listen, I don't know how you're going to uh, uh, cope with the with the craft when it comes. Uh, um, of course, you know, you've got to understand people are going, if this guy's crazy, this craft isn't coming, you know, this is going to be the greatest laugh Paul's ever had, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah. next thing we look and we see these lights underneath the craft, um, and they're, they're rotating around, there's no noise and the craft comes down and leaves a big indentation in the ground. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we, the ground was actually really, uh, thick sand granular and um if you walked on it it was crunchy you know as, as you walked and we everyone was uh, had their eyes closed except myself and another person across from me it was about eight meters away and i looked and could see the zetas which were about six six and a half feet walking towards us we we're all in a bit of an altered state i think we needed to be or else people would have been a bit terrified uh and they walked one of them walked behind me and put they've got three three very long fingers. I'm not sure if you've seen the uh, NASCAR um, skeleton. Is that what it's called? The, yeah, NASCAR. The, the, big yeah. the big skeletons. They got the three long fingers. They put them on my shoulders, but they did it to other people as well. They walked right around everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about 10 of them, I think, that were walking around. And then they went back straight away. We only there 30 seconds. Went back into the craft. The craft just disappeared. The steam rolled backwards, which was bizarre. And once it had gone, all the animals stopped howling. Mm. So, uh, so that craft didn't make any sound. Not one bit of sound. But nothing. the one that came down over the house did. Yeah, um, I think that's what was the one that M might be referring to. But, but uh, quickly, like before the uh, the craft, though, can you describe the craft a little bit? Like, was it still the cloud sort of look to it, or was it actually like a structure? That craft behind you on that picture. Yep. It looked like that without the without anything around the outer edge or any um, any um, you got little windows around yeah. the outer edge. There was none of that at all. But the bottom part, yeah, the bottom part, it looked exactly like the bottom part of that. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's it's like how yeah. big do you think the whole craft was roughly? Uh, oh boy. So we've got pictures of the, the landing site where the it was embedded into the into yeah. the ground. So the circle, it, it, um, it, it's left an indentation in the ground and the grass yeah. still, um, there's a, a grow. yeah, there's a grass pattern, circular grass pattern still like five, six, seven, eight years later. I reckon that circle must be. It's got to about, be eight meters across, isn't it? I'd say it's more like 10 or 12. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, but I, that would just be the base. So yeah. I don't know what. It must have been a be. fairly big, mm. big craft. Yeah. yeah okay. No, that, it can't have more yeah, than so. 25 meters, I reckon. All in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for a 10 meter diameter sort of indent, that's a reasonably decent sized craft. Um, oh, absolutely. I yeah. mean, it, it, it had traveled a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually explained, you know, how they uh, went from uh, where they were to us, how many days it took uh, to travel. It didn't, they didn't talk about it then when they landed, but just in their conversations after that, 
when they are asked questions, they were able to clearly answer a lot of those questions mm. as well. Um, I was contacted by a group of scientists. Um, uh, they asked to mm. speak to the Zetas, and um, this was a few years ago, and I, I let them talk to the Zetas for two, three-hour sessions, and these people uh, were pretty interesting. I, you know, I had to record the conversation or else I would have ne never got to have known what was said. Um, but uh, definitely they had a lot of different questions for the Zetas and the Zetas were able to answer them as well. So, mm. oh, That's good. Uh, like, um, so but, um, Emma's gone back to us there. Is, yes, the one over the house that she's sort of asking how the sounds. So I think it's like you're yeah. referring to like a sonar kind of sound. I think that might have been it. Yeah, a sonic, a sonic noise. Um, have yeah. you ever like a, a submarine? submarine? You yep. know, when they do the sonar noise? the mm. same one but it, it had a binaural beat it was interesting so it, on this side of the house it was a high tone and on the other side of the house it was a low tone we recorded it and um they were using it they told us because the craft was because the way craft move is in a what's called a, um, a decompressed state uh, space-time compression some people that go on to craft mm. they see a mist inside the craft that's to do with the compression that's on the inside of the craft. So when the craft, so let's say you look outside, you see a craft and then it goes from here to there. Mm -hmm. And next thing it's there, it's in there like in a tenth of a second. It actually did travel the whole distance. But the difference is, is that on a clock, and this is a very rudimentary thing I'm about to say, if once, if 10 seconds uh, passed for you, only one second passed for them. So uh, maybe I have that around the wrong way. Yeah. So one second passed for you, but 10 seconds passed for them. So they can travel the distance, but for you, it's like that. Yeah, which yeah. is why we don't see the craft. Maybe. Which is why we can't see the craft. Yeah, I knew I had it around yeah. the wrong way. But when they come out of that decompressed state there. The craft are really unstable. Yeah. This is the other thing. Um, and so when they were coming down, and we've, we've actually seen a few craft uh, come down, they look a bit wobbly and um, <laughs> people go, oh, why, you know, if, if, if they're so technologically advanced, why do their craft get all wobbly and stuff? You know, mm. well, it's to do with the uh, the compression. We, that's what they've told us. And when they come off the, right, the grid. Right, oh, yeah. And yeah. the other way is um, they, they're able to move. You know how they're able to move in sort of really sharp angular patterns? Mm -hmm. What they've told yeah. us is that they, the craft actually use what's called a toroidal function and if you read a primer of the Zeta race, whatever it's explained in there, the other one's called extraterrestrial technology. Yeah. Uh, the toroidal rides on rails or is pulled on rails, uh, creates a gravitational well or something at the front of the craft. And because the rails are all like in a grid, like in a grid they can go on any rail that they specifically want to. The problem is when they come off the compression, and I can talk about that a bit later, but what happens is is um, they then become very unstable physically, and we the reason we know about this stuff is because back in the old days, physical mediums and I'm not sure if you've ever heard of physical mediums, um, they would uh, use ectoplasm to materialise and dematerialise. You'd get reports coming from spirit people. You'd have a process called matter through matter, where they would bind the medium's wrists, and the spirits would dematerialise the bindings on the on the medium. And then lift their arm through, and so the extraterrestrials also use that methodology. 
uh, of dematerialization and materialization at all, but without using the whole ectoplasmic process. Yeah, okay, so it's a fair decent process, the whole thing and the concept in general. So yeah. it's pretty amazing. So um, Caleb's following it back to me there. Um, he was definitely, uh, he's referring to the feeling Soyan felt um, uh, going through the blackout and disoriented presence, uh, in their presence. Yeah. So yeah. I think the initial question was, uh, do you think it's their presence or a technology used by them that's sort of the cause? Yeah, it, it, it's them. It's their frequency. They're, they, The Zetas, um, humans, are. We, we live on this planet. This pla planet has a, a resonance of frequency. We know it's the Schumann frequency or the Schumann reson uh, resonance. You can look that up. It's 7. Three or something, something like or that. <laughs> um, the Zetas exist on a, a higher frequency, and it's that frequency that causes, when they're physically present in the room, it's that frequency that causes us to become disorientated yeah. and black out. Or if they get too close to you, for you to get burnt, physically burnt, you're, Although, to look like your skin has been. They're, they're three dimensional beings. So they're mm. three dimensional beings mm. with a multi dimensional consciousness, right? So you are as well, by the way. Uh, so you're a three-dimensional being and you've got a higher self. And yep. so you're a multidimensional entity. But the difference is, is that when you walk up to another human, because you're both within the human frequency, yep. you don't black out. Whereas when another being that's of a different vibration, a different nature, mm -hmm. comes into your physical space, your local construct, your mind, start, be becomes anaesthetized and you start to lose your ability um, people sometimes might say that you're losing your mind. You actually are losing your mind. You're, you're losing the ability to use your mind. And in doing so, a fear is generated. Mm. And once that fear is generated, they generally realize that you need to be anesthetized and people yeah. generally black out. Yeah. Yeah. So a bit of like a calming agent sort of way to do it. You know, is, um, yeah. Uh, That's what right. you call it? Like, um... I think of it now, like you know, you, you're stopping something, someone from freaking out and trying to retaliate in a sense. Yeah, you, you, yeah, we, we call it being anesthetized, so yeah. it's understandable. Yeah. So, just in regards to that, um, your experience, there, we had the three little greys there sort of attacking you. Like, what, what makes you think that like, they weren't didn't use that sort of method on you to try and knock you out first? Why did they use that method on me? No, why yeah. didn't they? Anesthetize? Yeah, why didn't they use that? So, oh, like, why, sorry, are you asking me why they didn't anesthetize me? Yeah, instead of like jumping on you and trying to attack you. If it, if it's, I don't know if it's the same race or it might have been a different uh, race I don't know, in that uh, regard. You know, I think that it was a matter of timing. I think that they were probably going to do that, but mm. because it was dark, they didn't realize, you know, back, back then, you know, there was no such thing as office jobs. Everybody worked outside. You got up early and you got dressed and you went out in the dark and you went to work. That was all it was. And so... Um, I got dressed in the dark. I didn't turn any lights on. They didn't know I was awake. Mm. I knew where my clothes were. I just got dressed and got walked out, mm. went to turn the light switch on, and they I think they panicked. And then, the, you know, I never even got to turn the lights on. I just saw them coming at me through the darkness, and uh, it was on. Mm. <laughs> that would have been terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, mate, it was terrifying. Don't you worry about that. But as I say to everybody, I have a bit of a laugh. I thought I had them. When I had the two of them, I thought I had them. I was yeah. feeling pretty confident right up until the third one jumped me and then I went down screaming. I went down screaming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like, you don't hear many stories of like, you know, people actually sort of, I don't know if you want to call it an attack, but you know, it's sort of like a, 
a forced abduction in that sort of sense. Like, I know I've yeah. heard of people like they've woken up halfway through an abduction, like where they're sort of going yeah. through the ceiling or it's being taken through. Like, well, that's scary in itself. But the yeah. fact that they're, they're having to forcefully do something is like, holy Jesus, that would scare uh, anyone. Well, it never happened again. I just want to say to everybody, it never happened again. So uh, I woke up and uh, one of them was standing in the room and this became quite common. And I said to him, okay, no more mucking around. Don't don't try and take me out. Don't knock, knock me out. I'm not going to sleep. I'm not doing anything. And then two more turned up and they, oh, they were over the top of me. And I said, you're not going to knock me out. And I said, don't ever knock me out again. And they sort of agreed that they wouldn't. But they also knew that I would never fight them again either. And that was where um, they then stopped mm. coming in a way where they would forcefully take me. So I would then say to them, um, they, they would come into the room and say, you need to go out to the craft. I'd say, no, I'd roll over and go back to sleep. And uh, I'd wake up and I've got one under each arm walking me out to the craft. I'd said, I'd stop and I'd say, listen, I just said I don't want to go out to the craft. They go, yeah, okay, whatever. And they'd take me out anyway. <laughs> but they knew that I wasn't, you know, I wasn't worried. In the end, though, it got to the point where I looked forward to going out onto the craft. You know, like you start to think, well, they're going to show me stuff. I'm going to get to see all the symbols. I'm going to get to see inside of the craft. Mm. I'm going to get to go up and travel around and see all this stuff and you know your life's so crazy at that point you may as well enjoy the ride as far as i'm concerned yeah might as well so it's just good that you're actually sort of you're exposed to them at, at a young age and you sort of got to go and get a better understanding of what these beings yeah. are because like if you're um like obviously today like myself like someone of a, a, an adult age and experiencing this like you'd be thinking that you're going crazy you know like you start thinking you need to go to a psych ward or something like that. It'd be absolutely scary. And Firstly, if you'd, mentioned, if you'd have mentioned this to anybody in the past, that's exactly where you would have gone. That was the mm. first thing. So you didn't, because you knew you couldn't talk about it to anybody, you just kept it to yourself. Then we, I started to see over the years, you know, where the internet was developed and you started seeing on bulletin boards, people would generally mention it or something and everyone would just get, tell them to get a tinfoil hat. And then the last couple of years, or the last five years, more more likely, mm. it's become quite common that anybody can just talk about it. But now we've got an issue where we don't know whether it's an astral contact. So mm. an astral is everything around you is astral, right? So every thought that you've ever had, every thought I've ever had, it all exists around us. So when you go to sleep at night, you just shift out of your body and you sit just about three or four inches above your body in consciousness, and you vibrate at a different level in your physical body. When you do that, you're actually sitting in the astral. Now, some people can lucid dream in the astral, and other people get uh, sleep paralysis in the astral, mm. so their head's in the astral, but they, I think they're in the physical. Uh, and then, of course, the things that exist in the astral are abductions. People have had abductions. And so somebody may actually end up living the abduction that I had, believing that it was real, but they're actually in bed, lucid dreaming, uh, reliving the whole process of being, you know, attacked by extraterrestrials in the house, but it never actually happens to them. Mm. The difference is they'll never be able to work out that it didn't happen to them. Yeah. That's how that's how strong these astral thought forms are when people are asleep. Yeah, that's incredible. That's a totally different aspect to look at that. I've never really thought much on that at all uh, in that concept. That's yeah. quite amazing. Um, 
So how do you um so what would you recommend for people to sort of like uh sort of set, change their mindset to be able to I don't know if you want to just call them contacting them or sort of trying to be able to like go into a lucid dreaming yeah. or even sort of like anything in that regard to where they can sort of get a better understanding of themselves. Yeah. yeah, I think I mean the first the first sorts of questions we we ask people when they're having these experiences they don't understand it literally sometimes tying themselves and their kids to the bed to stop themselves from being abducted is to you know just stop and ask themselves are are they actually being harmed have they received any healing you know what what's actually uh, happening after these events yeah we know it's absolutely beyond terrifying and mm. anyone who's experienced it will know what i'm saying when i when i say that there are no words um but what's the actual end result have you actually been hurt in the process or has actually something positive occurred afterwards yeah. and you know that's generally our starting place with people and most people will report that there has been nothing to report afterwards. There's no change. There's no harm. There's, there might not necessarily be a positive effect, but there's certainly no negative effects other than their, their mental state, which obviously we, we then work with them. When, when people are able to just take a step back, we can then start to work with them to explain the sorts of things we're explaining to you. And then yeah. we, it can quite often lead to... You see, it's not just one thing. This is yeah. the problem. People go... Uh, a, you know, one plus one equals two. Actually, it doesn't. Not not in this stuff. Mm. We, you know, we did a couple of videos on our um, YouTube channel where we actually talk about all the different phenomenon that are occurring. It took us about 50 minutes to go through it all <laughs> yeah. and explain to people, you may think it's this, but it's actually this, this, and this. Or you may think it's that over there, but it's actually not that at all. It's something else. And this, the first thing that a person needs to do is to understand what it is they're actually experiencing and then they can work towards uh, clarifying that whatever's going on around that contact, because it may not be contact, it could just be mm. the phenomenon. And the phenomenon is known by a lot of people, but they don't understand. The phenomenon is like a holo holographic representation of your own consciousness, and it can reflect things back to you, orbs, lights, craft, anything you want to see. Mm. Yeah. So that and also that's people... where evidence will come into a big play on that. Um, you know, as you're saying earlier, you have to write things down and make sure everything's yeah, yeah. Down and, paper. and we also say to people that they need to meditate, and people go, "Oh, I don't want to meditate. I can't meditate." And I say to them, "Look, if you can get to a point where your mind is pretty calm at night when you're going to sleep, if anything happens, the chance of you actually remembering what's going on around you mm. is quite high." Whereas if you've got a level of anxiety about being, you know, a lot of people don't want to go to sleep at night. Mm. You know, we get people, they are, they've got recorders on all the time. They, they're videoing themselves. They, they've got footage of, you know, things going on around them. And we say to them, look, you, your level of anxiety is so high, it, it, it's exponentially making everything worse because if something small happens, in your mind, it's, it's really big because you feel that, you know, you're being uh, taken or you could be taken. And so we try to get people to step back mm -hmm. from all of that and say, listen, stop recording, stop this, stop that, change the furniture around in the room, get out and ground, spend some time out in nature and uh, really start to think about what's important to you. Mm -hmm. And even just something that small, that sort of shift is, um, is enough sometimes to get people to go, 
I will start documenting what's going on because I want to know. And there isn't a person I've met, and I've met hundreds of people mm. that hasn't wanted to work out what's going on. They all yeah. want to know. They don't want to just buy into the stories, the narrative, social media, or whatever the message is. They yeah. actually want to work out what's going on. Yeah, well, I don't know about you, but when I go to sleep at night time there, my brain doesn't really shut off. I just randomly start getting bird as the word from the trash man playing in my head. Um, so I can't really concentrate when I'm, <laughs> when I'm trying to do some sort of form of meditation or something like that. But let's just put that little bit of a joke in there. But yeah, yeah but, that, that, but that's where it starts. You know, it's um, if you're actually being taken, you know, occasionally, you're going to want to try to work out a way to uh, reduce your own stress and anxiety first and have your brain in a, you know, a, a deeper state so that you can actually, when they come, you can work out what's going on instead of uh, having a, um, a fight or flight reaction to what's taking place. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, look, I, I'm, sort of, I'm a big believer on the whole meditation sort of stuff. I think I'm, I'm, I'll admit myself, I struggle a lot on trying to focus and trying to meditate. And um, yeah. it's yeah, I guess it's one of those things that you just got to keep trying and trying and trying to try and break you can, barrier. You can but you can do a lot of good things, though. See, there's induction techniques that you can teach yourself. It's not hypnotherapy. It's just you can do three or four things the same way every night before you go to sleep, and that becomes an induction methodology for you to then set yourself up for the sleep state. Yeah. Things like, now I'm going to put my phone down and turn it off. You know, And you're, you're programming your mind to actually go into a much calmer state rather than sitting there staring at the laptop and the computer, whatever it is, and then hopping into bed, and then next thing you know, your brain's going a million miles an hour. Yeah. I think that's probably the worst thing, too. Technology's sort of taking away a lot of the whole spiritual concept that humans have the ability of. Um, as amazing yeah. technology is, um, I sort of feel it, it is dragging us away a lot from the whole spiritual side of things. And Well, it's interesting you mention that, because when with the... Um, uh, what was the name of that Zimbabwe school? Aerial. The aerial, the aerial school phenomenon. When those kids, when they, that, I'm not sure if you've ever heard them talking. The extraterrestrials told about 70 children, one of or a couple of them in particular, do not get technologyed, and they made that word up, but it's pretty cute. But the thing is, uh, what they meant by that was is that don't allow your technology to take over mm. your your life mm. yeah which makes sense because like yeah you look at say everyone's all stuck in their phones these days like they're walking along they're looking at the phones you know they're not even watching where they're going and you know there's things going yeah. on above us that we don't even see because people are too busy looking down at their phones or something you know of that nature or we're just too busy working um as mm. a you know the working society you know it's it's sort of a shame because like it's as much as we like want to try and bring out the reality that these things exist and these things are around I think the biggest first step is to really acknowledge that they are out there, but then also to try and connect with them, obviously, in that sort of spiritual sense, if that makes sense. Because yeah. you know? um, obviously, you know, as you are saying, they're a... Uh, I think I said, you mentioned before, though, they're a three-dimensional yeah, the old, being, but they're also a multi-dimensional spiritual sort of aspects. The, the, older, the older abductees, like myself, there was no phones. They make, they, there was nothing, right? So, you know... As a kid, your parents kicked you outside and said, go and play. You'd be outside all day. You'd come home when the streetlights came on sort of thing. You had time to think. You had time to, to grow. Now you've got people walking around 
very young people with technology all over them. And it's only going to get worse. It's not going to get better. And what that's doing is it's disassociating them from the, 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 the natural surroundings, the, the energy of nature and all the things that cause people to be grounded. Yeah. And like, um, I was going to say something now. I was just totally lost me there because I just started reading the comments. Because <laughs> um, Kayla's mentioned there from the communication. Uh, so here's a question for you. From their communication, have they asked about religion? So I guess he's asking there, like, what sort of God do they sort of worship or if they do even believe in religion? No. So it depends which race you're talking about. The, the Zetas, they don't, um, they don't have any religion um, because religion is a man-made construct. I mean, look, either two things that exist. It's, it's so simple. Either... Um, a being exists or a consciousness exists in a multidimensional state and it creates consciousness such as yourself. Or every single person that's listening to this podcast or on this planet, every person who's part of the human species is an accident. So it's either one or the other. It's not, it's not you know, and for the Zetas, it's more about going, well, <clears throat> we know that uh consciousness exists right across all of the universes and so many races abide by those think that thinking they don't worship uh the um the, the construct of consciousness they understand it whereas humans created a construct around it and that's because of the anunnaki so a lot of people go whoa whoa, whoa don't talk about the anunnaki but the thing is is um that there's a lot of um information from the past uh from uh, ancient sumerian stuff isn't it and the cuneiform on the tablets and all the rest of it uh that talks about what's taken place in the past now i don't believe there's any information about the anunnaki on any of those tablets well that's what the sumerian called oh, that's what the sumerian <laughs> she's an archaeologist so you know when, this is a good thing that's their work that's their work so you know the Anunnaki have probably got a different uh, attitude towards um, uh, deities and those sorts of things. But from their perspective, they say that they are the creators of the human species. Yeah. And so they would have wanted to create a construct whereby the human species would be fairly controlled uh, by extraterrestrial races. It doesn't make them bad. I mean, all, all, most species have some sort of hierarchical governmental structure you know for, for good or bad um so that's just that race but there are other races like the zetas don't have a, a hierarchical structure at all a governmental structure they use uh, specific races mm -hmm. as a function and you know that to discuss that's going to take another half an hour so i won't go into that but uh, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. generally the thing is with these races is once you start to get in contact with them and it's clear and you're no longer seeing yourself as an abductee or whatever, they start to tell you more about their information and they'll try and give you succinct information so that any person that's actually having real contact will be able to talk about the societal structures, mm. the political structures if they exist, uh, what are the protocols that exist when meeting a race. Uh, and once you understand these sorts of protocols and then you're able to actually interact with these beings on a much better level. Mm. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah. So, like, um, obviously, um, they've also been around human civilization for a long time there. So do you think they would have had a connection in regards to ancient civilizations as well? um, Because obviously we mentioned, like, you know, uh, ancient civilizations would have worshipped these as gods and such. Um, do you think Zetas would be in that sort of agenda as well to be calling them gods? Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously the Anunnaki are, are quite prevalent in, in that kind of realm. Um, the, the Zeta, well, certainly there are images of, of the greys in their generic form um, found throughout the world, you know, um, over here in the in the rock art and the cave paintings in um in America, South America, um, Peru, and places like that, the, the Mayans, the Aztecs, they they had depictions of grey-like entities in their rock carvings. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I mean, if you look into the, the Nazca mummies, mm-hmm. um, whether you believe or not those are, are real um, extraterrestrial mummified uh, bodies, but... We do we do know that the greys were around um, during human history. Whether or not they allowed themselves to be worshipped as gods, I, I don't know. It's not a question I've act, we've no. actually asked them. Um, they would not want to be worshipped as a god, and I know they would probably go to every effort to make sure that that didn't happen, um, but I, that wouldn't stop. I think I, could, I would suggest that, this species that is currently on planet now, human species, is about the sixth or seventh species that's existed across yeah. the, the history of the planet. Yeah. 
and I would suggest that these extraterrestrial races uh, were here well before humans were even designed. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we know we know certainly one race yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to ask a pretty hard question in that regard. Then, so they've been around for a long time, and obviously, they would have played a big part in our development as a human civilization in general. So. What's what point do they sort of like go? Look, we're not going to be interfering them; we're just sort of letting them go instead of introducing us to this technology that they have, and sort of like building us up. You know, because like they reckon we've been what around for ten thousand years or something as human uh, intelligent beings, I suppose. Like, that's a long time to be going and sit around throwing sticks and rocks and whatever at each other. Like, why would they wait so long in that time period and then just to go look right over? we're going to start throwing a bit of influence in there or something. I don't know. Like, I know it's a hard question, but what are your thoughts on that? It's not really a hard question. Well, they've been, we know they've been, they've been trying to help society grow for a very long time. Yeah. There's been a concerted effort within the last three generations. It wasn't difficult while we were in the industrial era, you know, mm. the pre-industrial era, all these things. And then all of a sudden technology popped up. Next yeah. thing we've got all these chips and computer boards and yep. integrated circuitry and all this stuff. It just seemed to not magically appear, but it did appear. A lot of it's got to do with Tesla. That's the first thing. He's got 500 of his patents that were never actually uh, allowed the public, were never allowed to see them. Um, we've got to understand that there's timelines and these timelines are not linear, but if you look um, in say, well, maybe 23 years, 2045, Kurzweiler and these people have been talking about a singularity. Well, the Zetas have also said that there's going to be a massive singularity shift in 2045. And so we need to understand that just uh, as the IoT, the Internet of Things, and all the sensitive technology that now exists, it's based on a process called what's called IPv6. And it's probably a bit technical for people, but if anybody is out there and they're an IT person, they'll understand what that IPv6 addressing system means. And it means that all technologies are able to wirelessly access uh, a central uh, uh, internet process. That means that all technology is now linked together. And at some point, technology is going to, uh, especially in conjunction with AI, uh, be able to run the planet successfully and humans are going to have a lot less to do. Now, the extraterrestrials are watching this take place. They're also seeing that there's the capacity for humans to develop technology and travel off planet. We know that Elon Musk is already talking about that anyway. And so from their perspective, they're going, hang on, these guys down here, they're about to, in the next 25, 30 years, take off and start coming towards our planet. We need to make sure that we, you know, try to build some community spirit in with these people that they don't bring their technology with them and cause us all these issues. Um, so people sort of don't really think much about that, but think about where you've come from you know, since 1985, 1995 mm. to now. It hasn't been much of a, 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 a leap in years, and we've got all this technology, hypersonic technology, uh, sensitive technology, all these sorts of things. So um, the extraterrestrials have a... Um, a vested interest. interest in making sure that when humans travel and start to move out of the solar system, they don't bring all their rubbish with them. Yeah, which is probably a hard thing to do because, um, you know, as humans do, we're, <laughs> we're 
we're trash with <laughs> what we do and we treat the way we treat the planet basically it's um it's as horrible as it sounds i know but it's um that's really but i'm a firm believer um pretty sold on this like you know uh with regards to roswell starting us off with you know i don't know if it's a deliberate crash or something like that but it seems that our technology sort of boomed a lot faster from that point on that's where we sort of started getting like the computer chips and microwaves yeah. and compact discs and you know just the the whole computer generation just sort of boomed from that point and all we've done is just sort of improved and improved from there on so uh, we did uh, a yeah we did a video on roswell a couple of weeks ago a couple of months ago oh, months ago wasn't it yeah. um so we asked the zetas about roswell and trinity and the corona ranch and mm -hmm. all those sorts of things and they had a lot of interesting things to say so so people can watch that video if they want some more information yeah for sure Look, i'll definitely get you um your channel there and i'll put that into the uh the description of the show here um in the show notes and that um because yeah look it's, it's it's amazing where it's sort of gone and it's, it's sort of like I'll, my biggest thing is why didn't they interfere sooner like especially like before like the world wars um you know like where human is just humans is like you know treating each other like shit you know they just want to try and i don't know be the best or no dominate the world or whoever you know some idiot over the other countries they want to go and take over like because, why wouldn't they not go and because, interfere well because the problem is that humans perception of extraterrestrials is duality it's either good or bad mm. and so the problem is is that if it's, if it's not one race but multiple races say there's six to nine races that are interacting with with humanity there may be some of those races that don't care at all about your free will and that they um you know like the reptilians and these sorts of races they they have a care factor of zero whereas other races um abide by the you know universal laws of free will and so um, even from a uh, you know like a, a discussion perspective you've got races that can't even agree with how they can interact with humanity so that's why there's a problem if it was just one race at least you'd be able to deal with it but when you think about um, all the different races things like what's happening in skinwalker uh what's happening here what's happening there why is those beings doing this you know and i know that a lot of it sounds completely crazy to some people but you talk to enough people it's, you start to develop a picture of what's going on and um it it sort of makes starts to make some sense after a while that it's not just one race it's multiple races so we can't expect us to say well why don't you guys all just step in and help us when there's some races there that we're quite happy for all the problems to continue on on the on the planet yeah uh, i've heard like there's lots of different races out there so like what, what is their sort of interaction with these different races there are they sort of like a bit of a conflict or they just sort of like just sort of i don't know sit idly by and just let them go and do what they want to do over there and we're going to do our thing over here or like how does this sort of work together in yeah. a sense okay so with um with the hybrids if, if you're from that point of origin your race will be looking after you that's how it works so if you're not from a specific race uh that race may not actually have the capacity to look after their hybrids it's it's actually i'm not sure if you've heard of the skull experiment the skull experiment were in contact uh, many many years ago with uh, a group called the council of nine and we ended up getting uh, contact with them as well uh, only to realize that the council of nine uh, is a little bit dysfunctional 
And so when we start to, all these preconceived concepts that we have about how extraterrestrials are so much higher than us and they must have everything under control, they actually don't. And so it's a bit of a mess. Yeah, because you'd like to think someone who's a lot more advanced than what we are have a lot more sense of control, wouldn't you? <laughs> it's, um, and the Zetas definitely do. Yeah. This, look, the Zetas do, Sirius A, some uh, the Arcturians, uh, completely different race. They're sort of not 3D or anything. Um, there are other races. Um, when you talk about frequency, uh, vibration, consciousness, all the races fit into different levels of that. Um, some may, like interdimensional races, may not care at all about three-dimensional space. Uh, for, from their you know, perspective, it doesn't matter if people pass over because they've never experienced uh, physicality at all. Whereas other beings like the Zetas, they create containers. Now, a lot of people talk about the greys and go, oh, they're just uh, you know, um, genetically created sort of uh, empty shells. But the thing is what they don't realise is that the Zetas create those, uh, those containers for themselves from their own genetic material and they can body hop from their own body to their own genetically created container any time that they want to. And so people go, oh, that sounds pretty crazy. Not really. You did it. As a human, you incarnated into a body that was created for you by your mum and dad. And then when you're finished with it, you'll go back to where you came from. And then if you choose to incarnate again, you'll do the same process. The difference is, is that the Zetas and other races have got the, uh, the process down to a finer degree. That's all. Yeah. It's a pretty crazy concept. Like, it, obviously, like you're saying, like, you know, it sounds pretty crazy, but it's like, because um, like, obviously we're growing up and knowing that, you know, there'll be a mum and dad, you know, and someone's going to hate me for saying that, but sorry, that's the truth. Um, but, you know, like, um, our natural biology starting from a child, like, where's that sort of come into play there? Like, why are they want to go in as a, a child to, and then grow up and then just to go and die again? Like, what's the purpose of that? Well, that's because, that's because um, there's the underlying law of, of um, universality is, is free will. So the races that abide by that, the only way that they can come in and create change is to come in through the process of being human. So they need to come in through the birthing process. And then generally what happens is to enliven the physical form, you need a soul or a spirit. And the spirit person under contract with the extraterrestrial creates symbiotic uh, consciousness. And together they create the hybrid mind, which we call the local construct. And so uh, they have to come through the process to abide by the underlying principle of free will for yeah. humans and once they do that then they're able to come through and affect and uh support um even though it's a tough gig you know yourself it's not easy being human and uh it's a tough gig but they do it anyway they didn't have to but in the future when they you know can see what's coming down the, the timeline at them they, they're making a pretty big effort to um avoid some of the current situations that are taking place on planet yeah so what about in regards to like the uh, obviously they've got their own memories from their uh what would you call it from their side of things 
and then coming into a human form. What about like the whole experiences there and memories that come and follow through with that? Like what's happening there? Do they still keep the memories or is it sort of like sort of get half wiped away or what's the story there you think? So when you come in from spirit realm and you incarnate into the human form, any lives that you've had generally uh, are blocked from you through the Schumann frequency. But there are 3,000 documented cases, that's my understanding, where people are able to remember their past lives, right? So it, that whole screen memory process uh, didn't work. Um, some people get shards of information uh, from their previous lives as extraterrestrials, and other people don't remember at all. But it depends on uh, you as a person uh, as to what you will um, grow into as an individual and what you'll then understand then about yourself. So, you know, some of this stuff takes a bit of work to do, like shamanic work, shadow work, um, meditation processes, where people would then start to think about their greater nature, their greater consciousness. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Um, I'm just getting a question here from Aries or Aris. Or, um, sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name there. He's sort of saying he's um, being told he's Arcturian in origin. Uh, can you tell me what that means other than beings from the actual location, please? Uh, well, the, the, the Arcturians actually don't come from Arcturus because Arcturus is actually a star. It's like a, it's actually, yeah. So, but they, they've told us that they associate with that, that constellation, the Buddhist constellation, because from their perspective, it's easier to give a geographical location mm. out there so people can understand that um, when people talk about who they are, well, of course, they're um, the higher self, aren't they? Yeah, we did a, a whole uh, show the other day, didn't yeah, we? on the Arcturians, the yeah. Arcturians. so yeah. yeah, follow that YouTube. Yeah. I, I know we keep saying to people, I oh, yeah. just go and read this, watch There's this so video, but then we've got like 70 80 videos on there, and yeah. a lot of the questions you're asking can be answered by those videos, so yeah. That's awesome. Look, I'll definitely go and throw people that way there so they can try and um, if they have these questions for themselves. They can find that information um, by all means. Um, so I do have another question here from Caleb there. Uh, his uh, question here, are we the only race that live on Earth or have they, the greys, indicated that we share with other alien races that stay hidden underground or have you talked about Antarctica at all? So obviously Antarctica is a big thing at the moment there where... Uh, it could have been something that's frozen over, but yeah, obviously the question is there, are we sharing these areas with other races? Okay, firstly, humans don't own this planet. Uh, it's just a, it's just a floating sphere and sp spaces, you know, hundreds of thousands of habitable planets. And uh, a lot of races do live in cavernous environments as well, underground. Um, yes, of course, there, there would be beings at some point that that can live underground USOs, you know, underwater submersible objects. There's a lot of craft that are traveling under the oceans. Um, in regards to Antarctica, uh, yeah, I'll just say that's really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things going on. I was a bit skeptical at first. I hate the word skeptical, but like, I, don't know, I, was, I was a bit hesitant to really sort of like think, you know, Antarctica of all places to go and hide in. I mean, it's like, when you think about it, it's like, it's actually a pretty good spot to go and hide, let alone like, the, you know, the ocean itself. Um, there's a lot of yeah, places to go and hide down there. I would suggest that nobody's hiding at all. 
I would suggest that it's a known it's a known place. Oh, definitely, but but come from a public perspective, there, like you know, it's hidden to the yeah. general public. It's, it's safe well, you safe. and I, you and I won't be going there tomorrow. It's just too cold anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know what I mean. Like that's if you want to have a place where no one's going to go, stick it in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> definitely now uh, so you mentioned uh, a lot of races uh different like was it 62 races uh 62 63 i think races of the 63 grace? races of the zetas or the gray species yes yeah so okay like how like describe the different races to me there on that is it sort of like the like, yeah. humans like you know going between like the asians to the african to like, you so, know, so what, same concept yeah well okay so um the the races um they um, are not really genetically different. That's the first thing. Uh, but they uh, exist in function. So, um, and you'll have to help me out with this list. We, I definitely can't recite 63 races. We don't know. Because we don't know them. We've only had access to seven. Eight. Eight. Sorry, Anne says eight mm. of the different grey races. Yeah. Uh, one of them is the ethical race. Yeah, they seem to... The biological race, the technical yeah, race. the scientists. The scientific race. So the thing is, mm. think about how we have a top-down governmental system. They don't. They have a flat yeah. model. Mm. It's linear. And so you only bring in the race for a specific function that needs to be performed. So the races uh, compartmentalise what takes place on planet or planets for them uh depending on what function, what they're, function they're performing yeah okay so i'm sort of gonna be like a, a hive mind sort of mentality on that like you know basically oh, you know, absolutely, the worker ants, yeah. you got the soldier ants and sort of stuff like that yeah you know, that sort of general concept like it's, that sounds pretty cool actually it's probably a clever way to do it because like then you're obviously picking the the well the there's, there's a reason people. why so i'm not sure if you know but um a few years ago, technology was developed that you could monitor resources on planet Earth and uh, like water usage and, uh, you know, how many bananas will be grown in a certain crop, these sorts of things. Well, the Zetas developed this technology thousands and thousands of years ago. And in doing so, they've been able to make sure that each being on the planet is allocated the resources, uh, renewable resources for each of the entities on that planet. That means that the, they're able to uh, maintain the status quo with the physical planets that they exist on uh, using technology. And now we're starting as humans to develop the same technology um, so that we can also start to look at the resource usage mm -hmm. in regards to what people actually use on a daily basis. Yeah. This stuff's it's all it's based in AI and it's future stuff that's coming down the pipeline. So yeah, because we're sort of getting on the on the uh, concept of quantum technology. There, uh, we're not far from that, yeah. from my understanding, and I think that's where it's definitely going to start branching out. And as you mentioned, you know, like yeah. the whole computing world is just going to take over and just control the whole world in that sense. Um, you know, before we know, it's, we might get a whole Skynet situation happening. You know. <laughs> I would suggest it's actually going to go well past that. Like, um, we've got to understand that AI and technology, they'll, they will create, uh, it will find its own balance. It will find its own level. Uh, once it does, it'll then start to create uh, replications of itself. 
And once it's able, you know, basically that's not hard for it to do. Once it's able to self-replicate, the Zetas have already talked about what's called IA and uh, inanimate animates. And the inanimate animates are the opposite of AI. It's actually technology that has consciousness. Uh, it's not a conscious, it's not software pretending or representing itself as having some level of sentience or consciousness. It's the opposite. It's actually um, it's self-aware and it's well past being self-aware in regards to its ability to make decisions about its own life. It's very interesting uh, discussion that we've had with Azidus about that. Yeah, no, that'd be cool because um, like I'm sort of a bit scared in the concept. Like, so like I mentioned before, you know, a Skynet situation where you know AI takes over the world and might walk, potentially wipe out the human race because they see us as the initial threat to the planet or something like that. But who knows? I guess um, hopefully. Um, the Zetas or any other sort of ET beings will sort of come in and sort of save us <laughs> in that regard. Um, but I do have another one here. Um, Aries, I'm sorry if I'm saying your name wrong. Um, there's a theory that the Greys are humans from the future. Uh, is there any truth in that? Oh, I understand linear time is a human construct. No, there's no... There's, we, know, <clears throat> we know that a lot of people say that, but that's because that's what they want to believe. The... The, the greys actually um, genetically modified, uh, basically came from a plant species and um, because of the um, nucleotide sequences and uh, mm -hmm. genetic structure, they um, have been able to uh, manipulate their genetic structures. Uh, we know now that the CRISPR technology exists for human species. Hopefully you guys have heard of that. And CRISPR is used to uh, change sequences that's very rudimentary technology for the Zetas, um, though they're not humans in the future. And to be honest, God help us if they were. <laughs> yeah. So we were talking earlier about, um, you mentioned like there's been like six civilizations prior to ours in regards to Earth's history. Um, so Ian, I'd love to get you on with um, Trifon and Grub there to go and talk about the, um, the whole concept of ancient civilizations because that's their forte. Mm. So if you're interested to go and I'll get you connected with them because... Um, Great chat. I've had them on the show here a few times there and we're talking about the whole concepts. So in regards to my question there with the, um, you know, people will refer to them as UTs, ultra-terrestrials, uh, ultra-terrestrials, how you want to pronounce it. Um, so what sort of concept or where have they come through in our history then to be in regards to these ETs or amongst the ETs, I should say? Are you talking about hyperversals? No, ultra-terrestrial. I don't think we really know what ultra-terrestrial Can you explain means. what that word, what your concept is? So, well, there seems to be, like, everyone seems to be referring to them like the uh, prior civilizations to us. So um, they're calling them ultra-terrestrials. Um, and obviously right. something's happened to them in the past. Where have they gone? I don't know. They could be, they're sort of referring to them as they could be the possible oh, ETs like that are around us. And, yeah. yeah. So where are they, where are they in regards to the surrounding ETs today? Um, well, the thing is, if you talk about terrestrials, you, you talk about terrestri terrestrial humans that lived in the past, or you talk about extraterrestrials that lived on planet that were now are now called ultra terrestrials because they're no longer here anymore. If that's what you talk, is that what you're talking yes, about? Yes, yeah, so referring to yeah. something like yeah, yeah. So yes, um, and a lot of that's got to do with Atlantis, and um, I, I don't buy into Atlantis and all the rest of it, but. We did have a situation where we were talking to a being once and they said, look, um, 
there will never be a point where people are put together as they were in Atlantis because once they started to um, use different species for technological development, genetic uh, development, mm -hmm. they the extraterrestrials realised that um, there were some races that couldn't be trusted. And so the reason for that we have in, individual individuated contact and people what people are calling abduction is because the uh, extraterrestrials will not put all of the civilizations in one place and then empower those civilizations mm -hmm. with the technology the technological information from those races whereas you'll find there's people coming mm -hmm. forward that have specific information about specific races um, but it's not isolated to them. <clears throat> They'll be given information across a wide range of people because the races no longer wish to, having learned from the past and the mistakes that were made in the past, uh, have all the information in the hands of a few. Yeah. Yeah, that's sort of one of my biggest questions. Like, you know, these races that are, you know, humans in the past there who have, might have, outlived any cataclysms and such a lot like you'd think they'd learn from previous mistakes and sort of go right this is how we're supposed to live now you know that's that's my sort of understanding of it, on a proper um extraterrestrial yeah. you know at least a, a ancient civilization who's survived today that's my understanding like there should be at least uh interacting with our today's civilization going you're doing things wrong now and you know fix it don't do this so that's where i sort of feel like interactions should have been made at least prior to World War One or World War Two, before we started nuking each other, you know that's that's my sort of concept and my sort of personal opinion yeah. on that. You know, it doesn't take it doesn't take much intelligence to know that people shouldn't be starving. That's that right. There yeah. shouldn't be there shouldn't be anybody homeless. There's enough resources for everybody. So it, the problem isn't the human species. The problem is individuals. Yeah. Uh, again, that's where I sort of want to refer back to, like, you know, that's where I feel like an interaction of some sort going, hey, look, you, you're doing this all wrong. You know, you should be all working together. You shouldn't be individualizing everyone in every country. You should be all working together, you know. The, and uh, I'm not sure if you've heard, like, you know, I've mentioned this myself, you know. For humans to work together, there sort of needs to be a common goal. And, and a sad way of putting it is, you know, an alien invasion will bring us all united together and actually start working together to go and you know become one yeah, because we're all under the one sort of banner or flag or what are you going to call because you know we're all working it's together. not going to happen it's no. not going to happen and and although people are currently talking about disclosure there's two types of the disclosure there's the disclosure that you're going to that people are being given and then there's the disclosure that the extraterrestrials will do when they're ready and they're not ready they're nowhere near ready and so humans will spend the next whatever years arguing over what disclosure is, whether that's a UAP, whether that's an orb, whether whatever. Mm -hmm. And the extraterrestrials will just sit back and go, we don't care what you say because we need to see you basically mature as a race. And until you mature as a race, you will not be allowed to leave your solar system and travel into the outer reaches and... Um, through cause and effect affect other races yeah but there, I guess look it's one of those things we're just going to try and figure out over time and um, 
Unfortunately, I sort of feel like we're going to be imminent for a World War Three at some point there, the way the world's going at this point. And it's like, sort of like, how many wars do we sort of need to go through before they actually want to go and say, look, yeah. enough's enough. You know, it's, yeah. know it's a tough question, but it's, for me... I, I, know what it, yeah, I know what it looks like. I, I know what it looks like, but it's not... Yeah. So yeah. I, know, I know what it looks like. I think, I think people should should stop fearing what's what they think's going to take place. Yeah. Honestly, look, people should just be embracing love and happiness, and you know, being good to each other. That's that's all we sort of really need around the world. You know, keep that sort of thing, that vibe going around, and then you know, things will be fine and dandy in that sort of concept. Obviously, that's wishful thinking in a, in a um, an ordeal world. You know, an ideal world, I should say. But you know, it's. It's needed. Um, but I do have a couple more questions here before we finish up. Um, okay. So, um, Shaman, uh, Shaman or Shaman? I'm going to say Shaman. Sorry there, I'm getting horrible with these names here. I'm not sure what to call these these days. Let's call you people. <laughs> um, so, anyway, Shamans, um, you were saying if you were a, I'm sorry, you were saying if you are a particular species and require help, your species looks after you if you incarnated as a human. Yeah, um, is there any way we could could find out what species we are? Yeah. Um, so, look, we we um, we, we uh, do what's called point of origin work with people, yeah. um, and people should, if they want to look on our website, they can see that we do that. Um, yeah, you can go to a psychic and find out, uh, and whether you find that information believable or not, it's up to you. Mm. Um, we work with a lot of different people. Yeah. Uh, we spend a lot of time helping people to understand who they are um, and we take it very seriously as well. So Yeah. Yeah. And Sharman's asked again uh, another question here, like how are we chosen to be a contact or make contact? Sorry, who, how, who how, was chosen? Sharman again, Sharman. So how are we chosen to be a contact or make contact? So how, how are people chosen for contact? Is that what the yeah, question is? Basically, yeah. Yeah? You're not no, you're not chosen for contact. There's no such thing as choice. It's who you are before you incarnate into the human form. Your parents are visiting you. That's all it comes down to. You just don't remember who they are. Yeah, that's fair enough too. And I was going to ask you, uh, so um, one of the big questions too, like obviously this is something you're experiencing, both you um, and uh, the question I was asked uh, before we started the show here, like so your family members, like are they being getting experiences as well in this regard or, you know? Um... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, um, you know, a lot of contacts generational. Uh, when you ask a person, we, you know, as we said, we work with a lot of people. Mm. Uh, when you ask people about their contact, we actually can get to speak to their parents and we find out that the parents, because of the screen memory technology they have embedded with them, they don't remember the contact. But if you know the right questions to ask, you can easily peel away those, those screen memories and they realise they've actually had contact their whole life. Not all the time, but with the right questions, you can find out yeah no that's cool i'll definitely I'll throw people to your way there to try and sort of get a better understanding on what they want to try and get answers for um because yeah. obviously we're not gonna be able to cover all everyone's answers tonight but um yeah. definitely um look at getting you back on there at some point and um maybe okay. even next week there and try and continue on and um hopefully some people get some bring some more questions forward and we'll try and cover those or even if you um, want to try and 
bring up your own um your most common questions you know you frequently asked questions and sort of work through that even like we'll work we'll work something out anyway um so try and get the, yeah, <laughs> get we, the information we've had so many people we've had so many people come on to the show if there's either connection uh, on youtube and we get them to ask the questions that people ask them so that we can try and help as many people as possible because like your show this information goes that people listen to what they learn. Mm. I've mentioned about 30 different categories of information today and hopefully people will go, well, okay, so there is a way to work through this and if I do it carefully, I'll actually get some decent answers and that's really all that matters. Yeah, no, definitely. Look, that's awesome because um, look, we're all here to try and sort of work out the same thing, you know, get some sort of disclosure happening, you know, realisation things are happening out there and, you know, it's... One of those, get rid of this damn stigma that's still attached to this whole topic you know that's my biggest thing and like i know everything yeah. people um say they're seeing things out there all the time there it's like not everything is a ufo or in that regard but you know you, at least everyone's open to the whole concept which is a good thing um in that regard but just it, it takes a while and i mean it, it's a it's a big planet and there's a lot of people on it and not everybody's being contacted so not that they're aware of and because of that for them it's not really um in the upper level of their mind you know and when they hear people talking about it it's it's too fantastical for them but for people that are actually having contact that's clear contact um it's okay you don't need for people to agree with you because that's your own level of contact that you've got for yourself yeah that's right and that's one of the biggest things i sort of try to press as well like you know people are explaining their experiences their encounters that they're having and so who are you to sort of judge them on their experiences there? Because you're not the one who's sitting next to them experiencing yeah. the same thing. You know, you can't, you can't question that. Yeah. Um, the only yeah. thing you so can we sort of do question... that as well. Um, we say to people, you know, not sure, you know, what, what you're experiencing or how you're experiencing it. But we do make, like to help people try to categorize their experiences because it gives people a sense of um, uh, compartmentalization. Because the last thing you want is for you to believe that your life's a mess, especially from extraterrestrial contact. Mm. And so a lot of times we talk to people, we go, well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Have you thought about that spirit contact as not being extraterrestrial contact? Because if everybody automatically just abdicates responsibility to extraterrestrial contact, we, we all completely miss the point that everything is consciousness. And so this is why we put those free books out for people so that they can read through them, have a look at some of the information, maybe get uh, some depth to the conversation as well. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I have one quick question here before we do finish up. Um, so um, Jane's asking here, did they create the other types of humans we've, we've had, have here? Hang on. Did they create the other type? Did they yeah, create I'm... the other types of humans where we've had there here, like the elongated skulls and the giant race of humans in this planet? Hmm. I, I don't I don't know too much about these supposed giant race skeletons that have been found, but what we definitely do know um, from what we've been told is that uh, being an archaeologist, you know, there's lots of different, um, there was supposedly lots of different stages of human evolution, uh, a homo this, a homo that, homo erectus habilis, and all of the different um, early hominid forms. We've been told that rather than them being a sequential or more or less sequential evolution leading to modern man or homo sapiens sapiens, um, that they 
that were actually the result of lots of different experimentation by different races. Mm. So, you know, we know that about that. So if these giant skeletons are real, uh, I mean, I've not seen one, so I, I don't know, um, you know, and the elongated skulls, yeah, I, we know of them, but are they real? I, I don't know, but let's pretend, let's pretend that they are definitely real. Then I would suggest probably it's something along the same lines. Yeah, that's no, fair enough. Well, look, we're going to have to finish up there, guys. Look, where can people sort of find you or contact you? Um, give yourselves a bit of a blog there. Yeah, so we'd like people to subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, The Zeta Connection, and uh, there's a lot of videos on there, mm. lots of information. We actually teach off that one as well. We've got our own educational portal, so we teach mediumship, extraterrestrial contact, yeah. um, lots of different things on that site. That can also be found. We've got a website called the-zeta-connection.com. And everything links. And that. everything on that website links to everything we do. Mm. Um, we try and help as many people as we can, but um, it can be a bit difficult when there are lots and lots and lots of people. Um, so uh we just do the best that we can and we generally point people to our videos um and just do what we can with people yeah no that's awesome look guys thank you very much for coming on the show tonight um absolutely wonderful chat um and yeah it's absolutely absolutely mind-opening to what's actually um, going on you know so you don't really get that a bit of a grasp on what uh connections you can have with the different races out there and in particular the zetas um, so it's mm-hmm. definitely an interesting one. So thank you again so much for coming on and uh, informing us about the reality of what's out there, you know. It's great. Thank you. Well, yeah, Alright, thank you very much, guys. And that will do it, folks, for this episode of Encounters Down Under. I hope you enjoyed the show. And remember, you can also get involved in the show by joining the Facebook page and getting in on the live streams. Also, please be sure to share with your friends and family to help us grow and potentially find our next guest on the show. If you or you know someone who has had an encounter, please get in touch with me through our Facebook page via Messenger or email at australianufosightings at outlook.com.au. I look forward to seeing you on the next encounter down under. Hooroo! Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.